I'm Matt. Hey, I'm Steve. Hey, I'm John. This is the Sober Friends Podcast. We're here for the sober curious, the new guy, and the old timer. Here to talk about the stuff anyone looking to live alcohol-free has to face day to day, and how we overcame those struggles. We speak for no 12-step group, but we do try to remain anonymous. You're not alone. This is the Sober Friends Podcast. When I read the promises and I see that fear of insecurity, financial things, fear of people, we're promised that, that that's going to go away. And I often feel like I'm doing something wrong when they don't go away. I'm not doing what the old timers are doing. And Steve, I got to tell you, I have some insecurity around financial and monetary issues, and it has been making me crazy. Thanks for joining the Sober Friends podcast. John is usually with us. He is not. He is not feeling good. He didn't feel like he was going to bring anything to the program. So it's Steve and I tonight. Steve, how you doing? I'm doing great, Matt. Um, yeah, that fear of insecurity. That fear of economic insecurity is a tough one. Um, you know, it really is. And I, I get where you're coming from. I think we all we all would like that to go away completely, but I think that's an unrealistic, uh, an unrealistic expectation. I think we just, you know, we have to deal with life on life terms and uh, deal with what's in front of us. So what gets me to that place that I'm looking at, if it says six and seven, that I'm, I'm giving up these things that I'm worried about or have resentments about and they're not going away or I look at the promises and say, you know, fear of people, fear of financial insecurity, fear of other things are going to weigh. You're not going to have these fears anymore. And yet I have them. Why do I feel like I'm just not doing this right? Yeah, I don't, I don't think, I think it's misinterpreted uh, that they're going to completely disappear. I, I think what the program does, it allows us to deal with those fears. So, you know, fears, when we, when we have a fear, whatever it is, fear of a person, fear of a situation, fear of economic or financial insecurity, when we have one of those things happen to us, uh, we can't stop the feeling of fear, right? That's a feeling that comes over us, that insecurity, that that's a feeling. What our program allows us to do is then to, at, at some point, hopefully soon enough, take a step back, take a deep breath, um, and start looking at it and like, okay, um, you know, what's 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 happening here? And the other thing that happens, right, is that we have the opportunity to reach out to other people. And start talking about it. I, I mean, one of the biggest problems I had is when I had, and I had lots of fear of economic uh, insecurity, lots of fear, um, while I was drinking and while I was not drinking, both I had it. And uh, the, my biggest problem is I had nobody to talk to about it, zero. I didn't want anybody to know about it, not even my wife at times, right? When I was trying, especially that was when I was drinking and I was trying trying to sort of handle the finances and, and I wasn't spending a lot of money, but we didn't have a lot of money. But just I just remember sometimes, you know, in the past where it got really, really tense and really ugly. And I can remember my wife, my first wife was expecting a bonus or for some overtime work she did, and it didn't come at the time. The timing was off. It was supposed to come in a paycheck. And then, like, I was counting on that money. And I remember, like, going to her, like, where the hell is this money? You know? And to the point where, like, she went to her boss, and they're like, oh, I'll give you a personal loan. Like, they were panicking for her. It's not that the fear. Now, today, it happens all the time. I mean, it happens all the time. Um, you know, I last last year, I had a problem coming over where I, 
broke a tooth and had to do some dental work. And, and uh, because I'm self-employed now, I have no dental insurance. It was not fun. It's still not fun. I got to go back to the dentist and I got something brewing in my mouth and it's like, no, I don't want to do it. I don't want to spend that money. The dentist is the worst. Even if you're not self-employed and you have insurance, Yeah, you basically have no insurance anyways. At least you get some kickbacks on your things. I get zero kickbacks, right? But anyway, so so I think the fair is still there. And I think what our program tells us is that we have avenues to sort of fix that fair. And and here's another thing. I, I, I've said this before. I may have said it on this podcast. I say it a lot at meetings. And I've said it to my wife, my current wife, is, is I grew up very poor in public housing. And I said I, I was born into public housing. And if I die and I'm in public housing, I'll be okay with that. And it's very interesting because I have a brother who's in the program who is uh, disabled and has a lot of issues. And he just got his own apartment um, after years of living in sort of like handicapped housing and stuff. And he's doing he's doing really, really well. But he's in public housing. And like we call it the projects, right? We I grew up in the projects and that's what we call it. So I went around and he goes, hey, I live in the projects. And I look at it and he's comfortable there and I'd be comfortable there because it's just a place. So, and I feel that today. I really do. And again, it's not facing me. So will I be fearful if that was to happen? I think I would be. The question is, can you accept it? Right? So can you accept whatever the outcome is? And um, so I think that's the first thing you get fear and then you got a program to work on it. And then you have to accept, you know, you have to accept what the outcome is and you do what you can to do your part with what you do. You're touching a nerve here because I have a recurring nightmare about me going back to the house of my childhood. Mm. I grew up, well, for the most part, after my mom and my dad got a divorce and I think it was three or four, we moved to the second floor of a two-family house in West Springfield. And my uncle owned the house and we had nothing. We had food stamps. If you drive through it now, it's a much worse neighborhood than it was when I was growing there, but it still wasn't, wasn't the greatest. We had nothing. And then we moved to a better apartment complex in a nicer town. And through time, I have my own house in a pretty nice, pretty nice town. Mm-hmm. I would be terrified to go back. Yeah, I would not be able to accept it. I don't want to go back to where I was. I could do it, but I don't want to do it. It would feel like an absolute failure and it would reinforce the feelings of, fraud that I have in myself. Yeah. Um, we've talked about that and we've laughed about it. I, I always tell a story. Same thing, Matt. I grew up, same, we, I was never on food stamps, but I grew up one of six children. My mom obviously didn't work because she had six kids and uh, my dad worked. Um, my dad had a seventh grade or an eighth grade um, education and worked in a corrugated box factory his whole life. So not a lot of money coming in. Um, and I've done the same thing. I've worked hard. I've got a fairly decent house in a, you know, nothing spectacular in a nice, in a decent town. And when we first moved in here, we had some friends come over who bought a really nice house out in a, a very affluent town on the other side of the river, um, a, a town here called Avon. And we were talking, having dinner. And the woman says, do you ever get the feeling over, over dinner? Do you ever get the feeling like somebody's going to come knock on the door and go, Hey, get out. You don't belong here. You don't belong. And I said, yes, yes. Now my wife didn't have, my wife doesn't have that feeling. She grew up the daughter of a banker, right? Always lived in a house of some type, you know, her, their own house. She didn't have that. But for me, 
It was like, yes, I feel like such a fraud. Like, how did I get here? And it's taken a long time for me to, to get over that. It really has. It's taken me a long time to think, you know something? I've worked my ass off. I deserve this. My wife has worked her ass off. We've worked our whole lives. And listen, you know, we, we don't have a lot to pay. We still owe, owe a mortgage. We're not mortgage-free, um, but we're close to being mortgage-free. So, I, you know, here's the other thing. When you say you have this fear of going back and you couldn't go back, it'll be a failure. That to me says it'll be a failure of Matt's life. But what about God's plan for you? What about, what about, um, you know, what that plan might be? That plan hasn't obviously hasn't unfolded uh, in, in for you completely. When I go into a spiral like this, God's plan for me evaporates. Right. Of course it does. Of course it does. I think it does for all of us, right? That eventually, I mean, initially it evaporates and, and that's where we go. We go to that place where we're used to going. Same thing with me, right? I mean, I'm 64 years old very shortly, controlled a lot of stuff. So yeah, when things go bad, I still take the reins and I feel that same way. But today I could step back and I could look at the big picture. I just had this conversation with somebody and then one a couple of years ago I realized that what I think God's plan is for me is to be useful and helpful to other people, not only program people, but other people. Um, so I, I make a very conscious effort to do that. And like I constantly ask my wife, and I mean it. Before I used to ask her with an attitude, but today I ask her, like, hey, is there anything I could do for you today? Like, is there anything that I could help you with today? Before I get lost in my own stuff, which I can easily do. And what I've noticed is that I, I talked about my brother. Now, I was estranged from my brother for probably over three years. We didn't talk at all. He was he was one of us. He went out on a run. It got pretty ugly. And I was okay not having him in my life. But something was pulling me back to there, to that point, and trying to get back involved with him. And, um, and I would talk to my sister, who was in touch with him. But long story, the short version of the story is that I found myself now, I go down and see my brother every two weeks, right? And he's got this new place. And I was going down when he was in his other housing too. I just had started it. He got this place. He's really excited. But when I go down there, I could see he needs a lot of help in setting up this apartment. And I find myself, I told my wife, I'm going to go down there every two weeks and I'm going to have a meal with him. I'm going to have either lunch or dinner, you know? And I was just telling this to another alcoholic, uh, this past week, I find myself doing these things, right? Here, here I said, I think that's what God's plan is for me. And I didn't think, oh, I have to do this because this is God's plan. I just started doing it. And I'm like, wait a minute, I am fulfilling what I think is God's plan for me. So it's a slow journey. Trust me, you know, I've, uh, I'm a lot, I'm a bit older than you, you know, it took me a while to get this. More than a bit. Yeah. <laughs> and it took me a while to, to get this program and it took me a while to get here. And I think you'll get there. I really do. I think you'll get there. I mean, you're, you're at a tough point. I mean, I remember when I was at your age, young children, whole, whole life of finances, finances ahead of you, right? Kids. Yeah, I got an IRS letter yesterday. Oh yeah. Yeah. Filed my taxes. They go, you know, there was a mistake here. Hopefully it was in your... In when, the good, when we right? said when we said we were going to give you a couple hundred dollars, what we meant is you owe us four oh. figures. Oh, really? It, it's it's something. So here's the good news: it's something that I can afford. Right. It would be tough. I could squeeze a rock and get bl enough blood to cover it, right. and I probably can call them 
because the reason this was, I looked at it and it, this was the original amount I owed. And then I filed some separate business taxes around the podcast mm -hmm. and offset some losses of the expenses that we have for this. Right. And it caused me to basically break even. Something must have happened where that didn't connect or they're not buying it. Okay. So what I got to do is I got to call them. The good news is they're giving me till July. Yeah, right. So it's not like, hey, you got this letter. And by the way, 10% interest and you owe us now. Right. And I could take some stock money out and I could pay it. Right. I need that money for a new tractor. But, <laughs> you know, a new tractor, if I don't buy that, is not going to put me in prison or put a lien on my house. So the government gets gets the first cash payment from me. I understand the priority. I think a lot of this is if we go to things that cause us insecurity or wear us down is almost the halt type stuff. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. And the thing that's got my wife and I really crazy about this in the house is we've put a lot of work in. We are calling a lot of people, calling a mortgage broker, calling the insurance company, calling all of these people and doing a lot of work and it doesn't seem like it's getting us anywhere but we're prioritizing we're not sitting on it and when you call places it's like 15 minutes just to talk to somebody and the person's incompetent and you then have to start the story over escalate i had an adjuster who was who came to the house on friday i don't have to talk to you i'm just going to take pictures of the house you're good Somebody calls me on Tuesday. Yeah, it was, it was on Tuesday and said, I just got back from vacation. I'm here to set up your adjuster to come look at the house. <laughs> and I'm like, that person came on Friday. Oh, well, did you sign off on the paperwork? He told me you don't need paperwork. Oh, well, if you have his number, give him a call. I'm like, I am not calling this person. Uh, this is not my job. And she's going, blah, 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 blah. And, and I'm very nice to people. But I had to get to the point of like, ma'am, stop talking. And she goes to me, well, I think and talk fast. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And this is the type of stuff I'm dealing with. So it's exhausting. It's extra stuff I'm doing, plus the job, plus the kids, plus everything else going on. And when all that other stuff goes haywire, this is more than I have capacity for. And I think that's the thing that wears me down. My resistance is down. And now I start thinking about the financial stuff and I freak out. So, so what is your typical MO when you get to this pl place? Like, how do you handle this? I'll, this I'll is a good you, question. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what I've learned. Let, let me tell you this, what I, this is what I do. And then you could think about it. And when I've learned, when I get to that point, I know exactly that point you're talking about. Too much going on my head. I'm overwhelmed. I can't figure anything out. Nothing's going the way I want. And what I know that works for me, and this was told to me by somebody else, is I need more meetings. It's the time where you think I don't have time to do more meetings because of everything else that's going on. I've got so much other stuff to handle. What I have learned is that, wait a minute, I need more meetings. And I will literally go to five or six or seven meetings in, in a row, like every night or a couple, like I will just pound meetings because I just need to get recentered and, and like I said, and take a deep breath and go, okay. And, and I find that's what works for me, that when I'm overwhelmed and I have no time for anything and nothing's going my way, 
that my answer is to go to more meetings and uh, and talk to more alcoholics. That's what ends up happening, right? When I go to more meetings, I end have an opportunity to talk to more alcoholics. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right about this. And I get stuck in inertia. That if I'm going to a meeting or meetings regularly, I won't miss it because I'm going. But adding feels like I am doing something that is taking me away from the other things and that I can't manage the time. It becomes overwhelming. And I have to do more, even if it's Zoom. Whatever works, right? Because that that takes an excuse away. Yeah. No, whatever works. Um, I just found, you know, luckily, it, it, you know, again, we've talked about this many times in this podcast. COVID has changed everything um, because it was so easy in where we live to find a meeting really close to us, really, like not have to drive that far at all on any night during the week, especially me. Um, I mean, there's always a meeting right up the street from me, right? I live, you know, two miles, two and a half miles tops from a recovery club here in town. Um, and there's always a meeting there every night. So I could always, and that was always one of the things I did. Like it wasn't one of my favorite places to go, but in the pinch when I was in that place, I would end up there because typically I would, and and the reason why I would go there is not so much the meeting, but I would always see somebody that I knew. Right. And I'd be able to have a sidebar, talk to him after maybe before, and just vent my frustration. Really, that's what it is. Just vent my frustration, and uh, and 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 go from there. Because you know, when, when we're in the muck, when we're in the muck, when we're in the trenches, it's really hard to see too far ahead. And when you really start to look down the road, you're like, okay, it may not be exactly the way I want it to be, but it it will probably turn out okay. And I think in your situation, talking a little bit before we started the podcast tonight, things will turn out okay. It's going to be a pain in the ass, but they're going to turn out okay. I was very overwhelmed at one point. I can have this conversation and do this podcast tonight because I've gotten through the acute anxiety over it. Now I'm down that talking through this, yes, I'm doing this to help the newcomer, but I'm doing this to help me tonight. I needed a meeting to talk to another alcoholic and talk through these issues. By the way, there's a side benefit. You who are listening probably feel the same thing, and hopefully I'm helping you too. But it's just, it's a lot of this has been overwhelming. Some of this became very acute when my wife went on a business trip. She's going to be taking more business trips. This was a short one, just up to Boston, just for a few days, but she's going to the Philippines. She's going to India. She's going to Australia. She's going to China. She's going to the West Coast. I mean, the West Coast trips are going to be like nothing compared to you're going to India. Right. I'm not looking forward to that. Yeah. But Boston was a nice, okay, I can handle the whole house and three kids on my own. And it's a good practice run from when you're going to be away long distances. And then everything with the house fell apart. Right. Then, and then I have other people from the family calling with this issue and that issue and I was driving the kids to soccer and I just felt like I've got to keep moving and go through the motions because so much is riding on me. And yet I have a red light over my head. Just I'm in, I'm in a panic yeah. I, and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I cannot, I'm tapping out. I can't handle this. And that was a very acute and very low point. One of the things we, we, you know, one of the things we have to remember is that if the kids missed a soccer practice one time, right? It's not the end of the world. I mean that, right? 
I mean, if the kids missed it, it's not the end of the world. And I used to feel, I trust me, when when I had young children, and especially when I got divorced, and then I had, you know, I had visitation. I mean, I didn't have joint custody of my kids. Um, but, you know, so I would have them. I was the week, you know, every other weekend dad, and I would have them on Wednesdays, and then every other week would be Tuesday and Wednesdays. And not only but I would have them, it would be nice. But on Tuesday and Wednesday when my kids were in school, when they were your kid's age, what did that? You know what that meant? My kids played sports. My kids had activities. All that meant was I drove on them around. That's all it meant. I didn't spend quality time with my children at the, on those Tuesdays and Wednesdays. It was like I was driving the practice. We were trying to figure out where we eat, and I was taking them back to moms because they didn't sleep over at my house and, and and go to school. They always went back to their moms because that was the easiest way to get them back to school. But uh, it was incredible stressful. And I remember, I know you, you know, you've talked about you go to your therapist. I remember at the time I was heavy into my own therapy, going to a therapist. And I remember walking in there one day and and doing like you've done tonight, like all of this stuff going on. And my therapist looked at me and says, man, Steve, you got a lot on your plate right now. And, and just the acknowledgement from him that I, I have a lot on my plate. So it's over. It's okay to feel overwhelmed. I have a lot going on. Um, yeah, there's lots of times I wanted to tap out. There's lots of times I didn't want to do stuff, but... Yeah, we find a way through it. We do. We find a way through it. Our kids are resilient. And, um, you know, you're going to do fine. You're going to do fine. There's no reason I can't go to the Friday night meeting. It's in town, and I make the excuse, well, it's family time, and we're doing family things. And I can take meetings like that. And there are times that I don't go to meetings because I haven't been to those meetings in a while. And I feel like people will say, well, where the hell have you been? that they're going to look down their nose at me. This is where I get to a place of irrationality. Yeah. I still have that in me that people will see me and run away. That's, that's crazy. Alcoholic talk. I I hear that from a lot of people, you know, but that's not, you know, that Ian, you know better, right? That's not the way the rooms work. You should know better. No. Yeah. I mean, you show up at the Friday night meeting, everybody will go, Hey, everybody who knows here will, will be happy to see it. Timmy's there, right? I mean, all the guys. Well, he there, won't right? be happy, but Tim, he's just not Tim, happy anyways. Yeah, that's okay. Timmy's happy in his own way. He doesn't just just because he doesn't smile doesn't mean he's not happy. Slouches with a scowl. Yeah. I walked back home and I, I walked by and he was talking to uh to his his girlfriend in the truck and I walked by and I just gave him I got my eyes on you. That's all I gave him. That's all I said to him the whole night. Got She's so upbeat. What's his problem? Anyway, um, but yeah, it's like, hey, listen, and you know, I again, the other thing I tell other alcoholics, you know, you can do more meetings, and and there's a guy, LC from the Friday night meeting, used to be used to uh, go there. He doesn't go there anymore. But Al once said, shared at the Friday night meeting, he said, you know, you can go to four meetings a week. You know, you can go to four different meetings a month without going to four meetings a week. And he said, all you need is to go to three meetings a week. And then every other week you go, you know, you don't go to one of those meetings. So, so for every one of those meetings, you go into them three times a month, I mean, and the other, you know, and then, um, so you, you go into three meetings and you're, and you're rotating through the four meetings. So you're going to four meetings a month, but only three times a week. If you, that makes any sense. I think it does. Um, you know, so. so so but the point is you can add a meeting without adding, you know, another completely night out. That would take, that would force me to not do all or nothing. Right. 
That's like I spend the day in the garden. I have to get everything done or it's not even a point of even going and doing something. Right. Oh, yeah. Where I've learned I'm going to this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to spend two hours in the garden and then I'm going to stop. And I think I really need to think that through and talk to my wife and figure out those times, especially when it's acute. Go to a few more meetings. I will tell you, I'm a little bitch and I don't want to go to 8 p.m. meetings. (laughs) Right. Because I I don't want to come home at 9, 30, 10 o'clock because then I can't get to bed. And I wake up awfully early. I'm I'm, I'm prefacing the, the old timer out there raising his fist at me. I'm a bitch when it comes to that. I'm very yeah. inflexible about late meetings. And I want to yeah. do it. I, I agree. I, listen, I go to my, my late meetings are 7.30 to 8.30 on Mondays and then a 7.30 to 8.45 on Friday. And I always pick up typically the same guy, sometimes a couple different guys. And I, one guy I pick up who lives out in Windsor Locks, if I pick him up, I'm not home until well after 10 o'clock on a Friday night, right? I got to take him all the way home. He's in a wheelchair, you know, I mean, so yeah, it's tough. Yeah. I don't care what anybody says. It's tough. And even on Monday night, like I come home and listen, I, I, I like to go to bed. I like to be in bed by a reasonable time. I like to wind down. I like to have a little quiet time. Me I too. like to re- read a little bit, I like to wind down and get in bed by a reasonable time. So yeah, I don't like that. I mean, if I'm walking home and it's quarter after nine, my first thing is like, I need to start preparing to sort of get ready to go to bed. There's no, there's no relaxing time. So I get it. I don't like those late meetings, but there's other meetings out there. And again, COVID has changed some of them. I don't know as many, but they're out there. You know, the, the recovery club out in Windsor has a five thirty meeting every night, right? Yeah. Um, not that far from you. It really isn't. Um, they have them in Vernon. Yeah, it, it really is. It's, it's what I find is that it's, it's helpful to, do it and only do it for a short amount of time, right? Like you'd be surprised if you went to more meetings, how quickly you would feel better. And you're like, okay, I feel like I could handle this stuff better. Probably- yeah, I always do. Even when I hear somebody's story that I can't relate to or the people I don't know, the thing that gets me going is when I hear somebody who's not like me or has it worse than me, Right. I, I'm then grateful. And then I look, I, I'm going to circle back because you mentioned carting your kids around when you were divorced. This reminds me, keep the relationship fresh and good with my wife. Because one way things will get worse is if I were to get divorced, move out of the house and then have to haul everybody around. (laughs) That would make things awfully worse. It's a lot easier to be nice to my wife, to do nice things for her, to continue the relationship so that we're working on this together. And this is where I'm blessed, and I forget this, that I have a wife who's incredibly supportive. And I can say I can say lots of things about my wife on this podcast because she has no idea how to play a podcast. So she's never going to hear this. But she's very supportive of me. And I'm supportive of her. I don't like it when we're both down because I need somebody to be the rock. And then I yeah. feel like I have to be the rock. Right. But we're both struggling over this. But at least I'm struggling with somebody else. Uh, I was going to call somebody on a quick story about Sunday that my wife got scammed. It was this very obvious scam. It was a phishing thing, Facebook marketplace. To me, it's obvious because at work, we drill on phishing all the time. I know exactly how to how to figure out phishing and what's a scam. And she doesn't. She's not technologically savvy. And I was furious. And it just felt like because you're not technologically savvy, I can't trust you for anything. Mm. And she just looks at me sometimes when I'm angry, like with Homer Simpson eyes blinking at me, like, I have no idea why you're angry. 
which makes me angrier because like, why, why don't you understand why I'm so angry? And I, I started reaching out to people and it's kind of good. I didn't talk to anyone. I think at that point it would have been helpful, but I calmed down and I got past it and I apologized and told her, this is what I was feeling at the moment. But it's, it's a lot of that is unfairness in life and financial, the things, a lot of it is the things I can't control and unfairness. Those are triggers and that gets wrapped up in money. All of my situation that I have right now is things I cannot control right? and I feel are unfair. Well, it's interesting that you brought your wife into this. I'll tell a quick story and I won't bore anybody with, but, but my wife has had a financial thing to do and I handle most of the finance. And like your wife, my, she is not technologically adept and, and can't do much with a lot of stuff. So, but this was a pick up the phone and call. So I'm like, why don't you do it? See what you can do. I was busy. I was down seeing my brother yesterday. Why don't you do it? And there's some money that she can get out. And when I came home, she told me what she did. And I'm like, why'd you do it that way? Right? <laughs> like it's complete. Like why, you know, and she had gotten confused. That's what plain and simple. She'd gotten confused. So I'm like, we should call them back and we should fix it and make it, make sure it's done right. So we did that today. We did that today. And just like you, it's frustrating, right? It's frustrating because I had to drill my wife for a long time. It's like, I won't open a link from anyone. I won't open a link from anyone. Even if my wife sends, if I get an email or a text message from my wife and there's a link, I won't open it unless she has told me, I'm going to send you this link. Unless I know it's coming, I don't care who it's from, I won't open it. Um, because too many people are being hacked out there. Yep. So the, the, you know, when do you click on a link? Never. That's my philosophy. My wife has, has figured it out. But anyway, we, we fixed this problem today, but it's the same thing. And I, and I told my wife and I said a little bit like you, it's like, I feel like this incredible responsibility, right? That I have to, I have to carry all of this stuff. Yes. And that there's no break for me right? There's no break for me. And I get that feeling too. Like I've got to do all the chores around the house. My wife's a bit older. She has some mobility problems. Like, so I'm doing, I do all the outside chores. I do a lot of it. So I, at times I feel overwhelmed too, but at the same time, my wife wants to handle some of her own stuff, right? She doesn't want me to do it all because the next thing to do is just turn this account over to me so I can handle it all. That's not what she wants, right? She doesn't want to be just like she has no responsibilities in life. Um, so it's, it's frustrating and it's hard, but we worked through it today. We really did. We worked together here. We sat in the office, literally on the phone, and it was incredible. These people were incredible, but they were tough. Like every time we asked a question or we went to a different person, she had to re-verify all of her information. Uh Every time, can you tell, state your full name, your social security number, your email? I mean, it, it would happen like four times in a matter of four minutes. You would think that you'd do it once and you'd be on. But every time somebody new came on the phone, she had to verify everything. Um, but we got through it and we got it done and it's all worked out the way we both hoped it. And then she's got to do some more um, next month and then hopefully it'll be all set. But it's uh it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And um, all I know is that, you know, we got through it today. 
I, I had a busy day today. I had a busy day. Trust me, I was running to get to the podcast. I was running to get to the office so I could get here and do this podcast tonight. I'm always running. Right. I'm and, always doing that. And uh, listen, I was, you know, wolfing down dinner and the dishes are still out there, which I'll take care of after the podcast. And, um, you know, trying to get some things, trying to get some things done. And But the nice thing is that after this, I'll have my night, I'll relax, I'll read. I'll go to bed and literally I get up tomorrow, I say my prayers, I do my readings and I start my day over. And that's a beautiful thing about this program. What this program has given me is the ability to do that and start my day fresh tomorrow. If you have my problem, which is insecurity about a lot of things, I hope you've heard what Steve suggested to me because I need to do some of those things, more meetings, talk to alcoholics. The other thing that I'm remembering in here is remember this is going to pass that this is not forever. And also think about what's God's will here. Maybe I'm going through some of this pain because it's God's will that I'm going to learn a lesson somehow that I could pass on to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And I find a lot of times the pain I go through teaches me a lot, which then allows me to teach somebody else. So I'm going to choose to think that way because it will prevent me from going insane. Nobody needs me insane in the world. As I can be. Steve, thanks for coming in and doing this. And I hope we've reached you if you've had a problem like this. Hey, Johnny, I get healthy out there. Yeah. 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 Stay healthy. Everybody be, be careful. This, the, the viruses have not gone away. They have not. If you like this podcast, share it with somebody who needs it. Give us a review on iTunes. Give us a review or a rating on Spotify share with somebody else and we'll see you next week. Bye everyone. You made it this far into the podcast. That tells me you're a pretty big fan. If you like what we do and you find value in the podcast, consider a donation at buymeacoffee.com backslash sober friends pod. Your donation keeps us on the air to help out the new guy and helps us defray some of our costs. If you find value in our podcast, please consider a donation at buymeacoffee.com slash soberfriendspod.